the Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! Steve wearing our brand new Dangle Navy snapback today. He's our model, our very sexy model. And I have to say, Steve, um, it must be nice to wear a hat that fits your head. I can't imagine. It's yes. So if you're worried about getting one of our Dangle Navy hats because you're worried it's it's not going to be big enough, well, it fits me. Huh. Fits me. I I actually specifically I think I asked Jesse. I'm like, can we get ones that are big enough for my head? And he's like, we can get ones that are that they offer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever the biggest size the manufacturer so, makes is what. So we if do. you're a if you're a big headed person, you're wondering, hey, they've got their own clothes. I'm sure they could find one to fit Adam's head. No. Yeah. You should on, try that on one. Loosest setting. That's second loosest. Actually, this is what it is should it, be on. Is it Velcro so. or is it actual snapback? No, it's an actual Snap. snapback. Yeah. Can you see? There you okay, go. so yeah, we'll try. But usually with those snapbacks, I'm on like the last clasp, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still getting a headache. So A headache from a snapback? Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I get headaches from hats. Yeah. Just oh, paint sure. it on. Just shave your head and paint it on. That's <laughs> Honestly, I for sure should. So um, I am broadcasting from a cottage today. So hallelujah. And yeah. apparently it is actually Friday. So that's... TGI, like TGIW, yeah. boys. <laughs> Thank God it's Wednesday. <laughs> we didn't get into, because in my, in my hurry last episode, uh, we missed one of the biggest pieces of news. And this does happen from time to time. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins re-signing with the Edmonton Oilers and... You know, you know, obviously there were people like, what the hell? Why didn't you talk about it? You're right. That's my fault. But it did give me the opportunity to kind of dive a little bit deeper on this one. And Oilers Nation did a killer breakdown about uh, about what this contract means. So, you know, they, you see the top line on it, eight years, $41 million. And you think that's pretty good. You know, he's taken, he's making less money. He was making six before. And now it's 5.125. But I don't know if you guys have had the chance to actually kind of look deeper on this. Um, he gave up money yes but he also is pretty much locked in for the next eight years no matter where he plays so he did get obviously a a, a no trade but beyond that this contract is essentially buyout proof and you know i mean well, he'll be 36 38 when this is done yeah you don't you don't want to hear that term there oilers fans because the last time i heard that it was david clarkson so <laughs> Yeah. So here's here's what how it kind of breaks down according to Pierre Lebrun. So the first year, this coming, five million dollar salary that escalates to five point two five the next year, and then six point two five in twenty three twenty four and twenty four twenty five, and then twenty five twenty six. It's a four million dollar salary with a two million dollar signing bonus. Twenty six twenty seven two point two five million dollar salary with a two point five million dollar signing bonus, and twenty seven twenty eight. That's that's we're already talking about near twenty thirty here. Um, $22.5 million salary, $1.25 million signing bonus. We're going to come back to the signing bonuses in a second Mm -hmm. and a $3.75 million salary to end it in 28, 29. Damn. Crazy. Damn. Crazy. That's the equivalent of the start of the David Clarkson contract up until last season's end. That's eight years, right? Like that's, that's a long, long time. I, so I, I am incapable of looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs rationally because I'm a fan of them. But one, one thing I think I've discovered throughout this playoff run with Sportsnet is I think I can look at other teams rationally because okay. I have no dog in the fight and I don't care. Um, Oilers fans are like their heads are on fire right now. They're running around and just bashing into walls because of this eight-year contract that, yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is good. And I'd say he took a haircut in terms of cap hit, but like that's going to be a nightmare. 
by yeah. the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the Duncan Keith stuff, which I guess we'll get into later. We will. Um, Oilers fans, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I actually, I don't hate either move. <laughs> it, it obviously with Keith, it depends on a wide variety of factors, but with Nugent Hopkins, uh, you know how Dave Notice famously said, I'm not worried about years five, six, and seven with uh, in this David case, Clarkson? the Oilers shouldn't be. No, well, you're maximizing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's prime. Mm-hmm. That's what every one of your moves should be about. No, every one of your moves should be about winning. Yeah. No, those the, they go hand in hand. You're maximizing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl um, does that. And now... Like, will Ryan Nugent Hopkins be at least a $5.125 million player for the next three years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd put faith in that. I think he had a down year, a little bit of a down year. He'll be totally fine. Um, the longer this deal goes, the tougher it'll get. And that's what the no move clause is for. So he can choose where he's traded to. <laughs> Let's come on, guys. Like, the no move clause means I get to pick. That's what it yeah. means. It almost never means no. Yeah. Give me a list of three teams, basically. Yeah. And, oh, well, then we're not going to get any value. Well, you, you're trying to trade him, so he doesn't have any anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. The whole reason, if he had any value, you'd want to keep him. Like, we've seen this movie a thousand times. So, by the time um, Nuge's contract is in the back half, you'll have bigger fish to fry anyway. Yeah, it seems it's a good contract for the first three years and a bad contract for the last five years. That's that's the way I look at it. It's more and, than half. Yeah, and, <laughs> but, I, and I feel like if if it's five to three, then it's a bad deal. Should it not be looked at it that well, way? It depends. And, if they win the cup, then it's, then every deal is a great deal. Then everything you deal. have ever done is a great thing if you win the Stanley Cup. Yes, and the the deal itself is actually uh, one of the rarest deals in the post lockout era because since the lockout, uh, fifty contracts of this length have been signed. I think it's either seven or eight years. There's been fifty contracts out of this length, and it is the second lowest AAV out of all fifty of those deals. No way. Yeah. Wow. So the only deal that's lower. It was Mike Matheson's uh, oh, deal, bizarre deal. Which yes. was Who got traded, years, by the way? It, which was eight years and four point nine million. Nuge comes in at number forty nine on the length uh, on the AAV of eight year deals. So oh, is is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I guess it's it's value on an eight year contract, but. If you're handing out this amount of term to a guy who's kind of in the middling, because that's we always we said this for like years, that's where you mess up uh, your salary cap is in these middle middling deals. So if you're handing out this many years to a guy who's in the middle of your salary cap, he's not going to live up to it by the end of it. He's 28 mm-hmm. already, and he's going to be signed through what is that 2026, 2029, 2029. Sorry, even further. So I don't know. And like Ken Holland has a history of this. He gave uh, Justin Abdulkader oh. seven years. And oh, uh, four point two five. You guys remember that? Yeah, and the Leafs yeah. almost took that stupid contract on because Babs liked them so much. Right, I, and so Abdicator's like last us. season in the NHL was uh, the lockout year, the pandemic year. He played forty nine games, had zero goals, three assists. That oh. October, Detroit buys him out. He hasn't played in the NHL since, and now they're paying his deal till uh, they're paying the buyout, and there's a cap hit against it till twenty twenty six. So. What I don't know. Ken Holland has a history of this. 
Yeah. It's, now, I, so I'm we, trying to see the sunny side here. Well, let, <laughs> okay, so let me, there's a lot of sunny side for Nuge because, yes. you know, on the open market, what's he worth? Seven million, you think? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, probably fair. I, I, he's such a confusing player because like Kerfoot makes 3.5 as a winger who can play center. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like Nuge is such a, a higher stakes version uh, version of that. Yes. Like seven yeah. million as a center on the on the free agent market. Yeah, absolutely. But he's only doing that like half the time in Edmonton. Right. Right. And I, I guess if you're paying that, he's paying playing center all the time. But I think that I think in this particular case, what's interesting about this deal, other than you know the fact that uh, um, you know the, the first, I think he's okay for the first four years, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But in the first four years, twenty two point seven five million is paid out of the $41 million turn. So more than a half in the first uh, in the first four. And I know that sounds just about halfway. However, what's interesting about the last three, or sorry, the last three of the four years is they all include signing bonuses. And uh, Oilers Nation rightly pointed out that 26-27 and 27-28 both have the potential to be lockout years in the NHL. So he essentially is guaranteeing himself a 2 million, a 2.5 million, and a 1.5 million signing bonus so he doesn't lose that money because you would lose it. You just lose it. It's gone. And I think, you know, at that point in his career, there's no way he's going to be able to recoup that. If you lose that at 23, you're probably going to be okay because you can make that back up the next contract that you sign. Although, I, I mean, there's an argument to be made that you have a limited amount of time. That's the amount of time you get. You lose money. It's gone. So I, I think in this case, it's a little bit of lockout assurance for him. I also think if you're paying out a good chunk of that early, it does make the contract as much as it seems not tradable. You can't buy it out, but you can trade it. Um, and I think the uh, the other thing that we're forgetting here is that we're in the first year of the supposed three-year lockdown on the salary cap going up. Now, they're tell- they were telling us before the season started that the, the cap was going to stay flat for three years. I can't imagine that what they said publicly – before the deals with TNT and ESPN were signed, echoes exactly how they would feel today. And that's because if you look at where we were when the season started, uh, you know, America had just finished one of the most vicious presidential races we've ever seen. Um, nobody, was, nobody was vaccinated. Like we're talking January here, right? Nobody's vaccinated. Um, we're not sure how long it's going to take for, for, you know, the borders to open up. You know, now here we are six months later. It's a completely different story with two pretty pretty fantastic television rights deals and you got to think growth in the game you know you're part of ESPN now you're part of TNT both major sports networks and sometimes if you've got the product and you don't have the platform it really makes a difference when you get the platform you got to go where the people are it's like I remember uh, I was working for a company um, years ago and their whole focus outside of being on the radio was having a video go viral but they were bound and determined that they were not going to use YouTube. They said, we're not going to put our our videos on YouTube. We can't give them away for free like that. So they invested something like a quarter of a million dollars in this company called Brightcove. And and they were like, we want you to go viral, but on Brightcove. And my my sworn (laughs) enemy. So so we were like, this is, is uh, we're I'm not sure how we're going to go viral and on Brightcove. This is like 2011. And I think, you know, it's a bit of a weird example, but I think the NHL, probably is looking at the salary cap going up i would think sooner maybe next year it stays the same which it will but i would five i never believed it for for a moment uh, yeah i i don't think it's going to be five i think it's going to be after next season if you see it go up a million or two the higher that cap goes up 
the less you're going to worry about a Ryan Nugent Hopkins cap. And I think that you're going to see a pretty big growth in the game in the next three to four years. And I think you're going to see alongside of that, a big growth in what teams are able to spend. I mean, like, listen, you still got Tampa spending a hundred million dollars in real salary this year. Right. So it's possible. And I just think if you look at long-term, this deal doesn't sting so hard to me. If we look at it from our term right now, 81 and a half million dollars, if he's, 38 and making $3.75 million. Yeah, that's a bit concerning. Oh, it's horrible. What's what's the what's the percentage of cap? So $3.75 million or 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 5.125 against the cap. That is somewhere akin to seven or eight percent of the cap right now, right? If a few years from now it's two percent of the cap, do you really care? And he's a good guy, and he's one of the most popular oilers ever. This is the same defense we made for the Matthews and Marner contracts. <laughs> okay, fine. And but that's, you, that's not good. Yes, Oilers fans I, hate that on principle because it's comparable to Toronto. I know, I know. I'm uh, just saying, do you not think, guys, that there's going to, like, global pandemic thing happen? You're not supposed to say global pandemic, by the way. You're just supposed to say pandemic because pandemic yeah. does mean global. Pandemic aside. Okay, loser. It's going up. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. It's I uh, listen. If you're a GM, fine. If you're a fan, stop worrying about where this team's going to be five, six, seven, eight years from now. Like, yeah, for for the next few years, listen, you had a dog shit playoff series against the Jets, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how you can't look at this regular season and not view it as a step forward uh, for this team. Connor McDavid is truly on another level. Mm -hmm. Leon Drysettle's right there with him. Um, I th- your defense did take steps. Um, you know, you got to go. Uh, Darnell Nurse finished, I think, top 10 in mm-hmm. Norris voting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are reasons to be happy if you're an Oilers fan. There are other questions for sure, but I well. don't think. I don't think you should be worrying about Nuge right now. So you should if you're if you're Ken Holland and all of the uh, owners there and the Edmonton alum who also run the team. You're trying to win the Stanley Cup within the next, like, or at least make a run at it within the next three to four years. So McDavid's happy and Drysdale's happy and the fan base is happy. This is a, like a necessary window here where you're trying to win the cup. So you hand out this contract and you pay extra on the years because you have to. And then you worry about that probably when the next guy comes through and he's now in charge of the team. You know, and like this is just your window. You go for it. You hand out the deal. It's the same thing with the Mitch and the Matthews and the Nylander thing. They have such a window here that they need to win that, hey, in seven years, we'll worry about that in seven years. Yeah. Yeah. I The other thing I, I do want to quickly mention, guys, just in case they can't trade him and they want to try to buy him out for the last two years of the deal. This is how it looks and it's not pretty. Uh, they'd owe him money for four years. So in years one and two, Edmonton would have 3.6 and 2.4 million against the cap. Then a subsequent 1. million for the following two. If the Oilers want to buy out the final three years, they would owe him money for six years. In years one, two, and three, a cap hit of one or 3.5 million, 3.8 million, and 2.3 million. And then the final three years would be 944K. So, so you better, you're going to have to trade him. You can't buy him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Or you keep him and he's great. Buyouts so rarely make sense when uh, one of the worst buyouts in the league, like possibly league history, considering we're talking about the salary cap here, is the Preds with Kyle Turris. Like, bro, you couldn't have held on to him for 
what was it one or two more years they're paying them two million next year and the 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 next year six Didn't years they, well of two th- million dollars a dead cap he had three million or he had a six million dollar a year deal for three more years oh figure it out yeah. like I surely like- there's a better option than that I like the NBA's buyout contract. I don't know the details of how it works because I don't know the NBA salary cap that much. But every year after the trade deadline, there's like a little buyout window where you yes. can buy out guys. And you get big name players who are just on bad teams and teams just buy them out for no reason. And then all of a sudden they're free agents in the middle of the season. And it's funny because you get like DeMarcus Cousins and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan just joining these playoff contenders for no reason other than they just got released from their teams. Or, or Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity in Lin Toronto. Sanity That's right. Yeah. But you know, the thing with that, Jesse, is what does that do? Adds what does that fun do? to the league. Adds fun <laughs> to the league. After the trade deadline, it's not a shit tired, like, okay, now we've got three weeks or four weeks to the playoffs and everybody's going to limp there. You got these B and C level stars that used to be A level stars joining mega teams and people go, well, it's only the big market teams that get to sign them. That's not true in the NBA, actually. It, and you you see that time and time and time again. And I think it's teams with a chance to win. That's where the yes. the X stars go. It's whoever's gonna look like they're gonna be contend for a championship. It's fine. The excitement level with that is great too. Like it's amazing. It is great, but unfortunately, the NBA is not the NHL, and the cap is there to literally protect NHL general managers from themselves. Mm-hmm. So, they'll be so loaded up by the time the trade deadline passed anyway, no one would be able to sign anyone. Yeah, like if we're talking about yeah. things that would make the league more fun, we're, we're not speaking Gary Bettman's language here. He's he's there to run a business. <laughs> he's there to run a business, and it is what it is, man. Well, yeah. at least he's got Josh Richards. Am I right? It, yes. <laughs> no salary cap on that. Um, I just want to shout out to David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, who did a lot of that great research on Nuja's contract. That I was oh, he did? Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm shouting out Oilers Nation, who I got it from. <laughs> So um, I, I, I do want to get into uh, Montreal. I want to shout out Adam Wilde, who I heard it from. Oh, sorry. Before we get into Montreal, <laughs> Duncan Keith, um, there's a couple of things. So first off, what was weird, Steve, is we found out today uh, uh, it, that basically the Chicago Blackhawks were shopping him, but to two teams. Right. So Elliot Freeman initially breaks it with, well, it could be a team in the Pacific Northwest or Western Canada. And so all of us, you know, we got out our maps and we said, okay, there's one NHL team in the Pacific Northwest and they haven't played yet. And then there's the Canucks, the Oilers, the Flames. And then there was a bit of an argument as to whether or not the Winnipeg Jets are included. The things people, the things people take from comments is so ridiculous. You know, there's one mention of Western Canada and then uh, Winnipeg jumps up and they're like, us too. Yeah, <laughs> we're it, Western, Toronto. Yeah. It's, it used to be Western Conference. It's west of Newfoundland. You know, <laughs> it could but be the, the The weird thing was, Steve, that apparently Vancouver didn't know. Yeah, so Rick Dollywall uh, reporting that supposedly Vancouver didn't know. So I guess they weren't offered a spot in the sweepstakes. He also reported that he's heard Seattle is out. So the Oilers are the front runner here. And Archaeologi, one of my favorite Oilers follows, is, again, just running around, head on fire, just the sky is falling, everything is awful. Now, I can support 
the idea of a Duncan Keith trade. Like I can support the idea of acquiring him. Well, so the Canucks, the, what I saw there, because everyone's like, dude, look at look at his his numbers from this past season. He's 37. He's got a high cap hit. He's washed. And the reason he wants to play in Western Canada is because his family and his son lives in Penticton, Penticton BC. So well, the Penticton V's. Yes. 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 Thank you, Pierre. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, do you need to know Junior A crap? I got it. Do you need to know teams that may or may not exist anymore? Because the last time I worked in junior was 2009. I'm your guy. Um, so with Vancouver, I looked at that and there were so many games this year, you know, Leafs Canucks mm-hmm. where I looked at Quinn Hughes and I, and you see all the talent and I'm like, God, this kid's drowning. Like th- this kid, he he's struggling to stay afloat. He's been given such a burden so early in his career and he's being expected to be so many things that he's not. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the potential for a Duncan Keith trade and Knowing his limitations at how old he is and, you know, all those miles on his body and the cap it and everything. I was like, okay, let's put all of that aside. What a guy to learn from. So we start there. There's the basis for why a trade makes sense. What a guy to learn from. Okay. So how do we get around all the other shit? Well, he's going to have a reduced role. Mm -hmm. And also we can dump another contract in the deal. We can be like uh, Tyler Myers. For example, because if you're looking for bad contract versus bad contract, Vancouver's a great partner. Yeah. There. Hey, we, we, hey, what, what do you need? You need a bad contract up front? You need a bad contract on D? We got, we got a variety of bad contracts. Come on down to Jim's Bad Contract Emporium. They're, we got everything you could ever ask for. Well, and Duncan Keith makes a lot of sense for the Canucks because they're not afraid of term. That's for sure. Like, <laughs> there is that. And not afraid of backdiving deals or term or anything like that. Or, or hey, if I retire, it's going to cost you money, even though I play for another team now. And he's especially appealing um, because most, the vast majority of the money <clears throat> in his contract is paid. Then the conversation turns to the Oilers and I go, oh no, okay, that makes less sense. <laughs> I just, I, I'm not, I'm very curious to see how that works. I saw Caleb Jones name mentioned and like, I just, I don't support it. I don't support it if the Oilers have to give up anything to do it. <laughs> if that well, makes yeah, any I, sense. And I'm curious as to why any team would. Like, what is it like even, okay, no, I know Edmonton's got to, sorry, Cal, or Vancouver's got to shed salary. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, is, is Tyler Myers that useless that he wouldn't play? I, that's, if, that's, if a, Tyler, that's a question you're going to have to ask Chicago because uh, they never picked up the phone. Well, yeah, that's true. I'm just <laughs> curious as to like, I'm curious as to a bit, maybe, and maybe Chicago just didn't see on anything on Edmonton. They want a pair, sorry, Vancouver. I'm curious about, because Nate Schmidt's name has been thrown out there again. And I'm really confused as to why. I think he had a bad year in, in Vancouver, but it wasn't a great team season for the Canucks anyway, most of the way. I wonder if, and this is just me spitballing here, but like, okay, so you get, maybe you get Tyler Myers for, um, uh, for Duncan Keith. If you're the Blackhawks, like, I wonder about that and go, okay, well, that just puts us right back where we started. We're trying to trade Duncan Keith because we want to get rid of this the the cap hit, right? Why would either of these teams? So there's there's two teams, Seattle and uh, Edmonton, essentially. Mm-hmm. So why are, would they help Chicago? 
like Keith. Everybody wants- black. Everybody helps the Blackhawks. Why? Why? Everybody. Why? If you're if you're Ken Holland everybody. or or you're sitting in Seattle, why are you like, hey, uh, Keith wants to come here and we don't really want him. Uh, why are we going to go out and get him? Like you, probably you can go spend that five point five on your salary cap in a different way. I yeah. wonder if they think he's got the pedigree, right? Like, well, he's, he's been to the cup final and it's like, well, yeah, but can he make it through 82 games and four five point five? I we're, what we're forgetting is the Blackhawks might retain on more deals than anybody else. Like they either have a team retain for them or they're the ones who retain. Can they right? retain on so, Keith? Like what's the so he's at yes. five point five cap hit? Uh, I think he's just under that. So do you take 37-year-old Dunky Keith on your team for 2.25? It's uh, 5.538462. Because he's one of those forever contracts. That Does anybody want to divide that in two? Divide. <laughs> What's 50% of that? Jesse, help me. I got it. <laughs> help. Well, you know, like what, just over 2, 2.2, 2.3, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and you then take Duncan Keith? Like, I mean, listen, 2. what are you paying 7. Chris? Okay, 2.7s. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that feels high, but um, it does what I mean is like not not high in terms of the the number you've given me, but it just feels high for Duncan Keith. Mm-hmm. That's close to three million for Duncan Keith. Like, look at what Edmonton did play last year. If you're willing to play Chris Russell at two million, <laughs> what what's wrong with the little Duncan Keith at two point seven? Well, you got to get good at some point. This is this is the big issue uh, that they're having, but they have. You know, similar, I guess, to Quinn Hughes, uh, Darnell Nurse, he's 26 now, but like, who's ever really been there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Ethan Bear is young. Um, Chris Russell is not young, but he's also... Oscar, Oscar Clefbaum may never play again. There's there's a huge question mark there. Um, they're probably going to graduate Evan Bouchard. That's a bit of a guess. Um, Philip Broberg, there's some potential there. Uh, Caleb Jones, they may move on from like, like they do have some young guys who could use like at least a half decent mentor. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, he knows how to be a very good defenseman in the national hockey league. There's something there, but if, if, you know, they, they, there's rumors about them buying out Chris, um, Chris Neal, uh, James Neal. Um, there were rumors. I saw Miko Koskinen was trending. And that's a, you know, that's a potentially soft buyout if the Blackhawks want to go straight there, like they acquire him 4.5, buy him out immediately or in the old Koskinen or Neil Koskinen. Koskinen. I think, you know, doesn't Koskinen, was he got a year left on that deal? A year left at 4.5. So if you're Blackhawk, you don't care about next year. No, you you don't have to play that out. Yeah. Yeah, Let him play so, for you. So maybe you just hold on to him. There's a deal to be the made. The fact that he was trending is so funny to me. Yeah. It, <laughs> dude, it happens. There it were happens. people who... Remember how many people tried to explain to us how great that deal was? Caulfield, oh, yeah. Cole Caulfield trended almost every day of this past season, and he hadn't played a game. Mitch Marner was trending this morning. Yeah, I believe it. What do you, what do, you do now? It was... Still nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like everyone's just angry, angry. And it's and and I'll, I'll I'll actually I found the tweet that I think is the reason behind it, but we'll get to that later. I think I think it it does. Duncan Keith makes sense in that sense, Steve. But at two point seven million dollars, I wonder if and I don't think Ken Holland's the guy to do this, and I don't think Stan Bowman's the guy to do this. But if you were to get creative and run that through a team that had extra cap space, so let's say 
you can do what the Leafs did with Felino and you trade him somewhere else and then and so it's retain, the retain again. Retain. Yeah. So if you get so what does that put Keith at? Now you're at one point three five million or something like that. You get him for what is it, three more years at one point three five million? Tell me that hurts you. It doesn't. Only two years. Oh, it's two. Oh, it's not now I was shitting on Gary Bettman earlier. Like, do we all understand now why they put an eight-year cap on contracts? Yes. To prevent this silly shit. There, well, there hasn't the, been one of these deals that we haven't run into problems with. Right. And the DiPietro deal, um, oh. I mean, yeah. But here's the problem with that, Steve, is that from the worker's side, if you're a pro-worker's side, yeah. um, limiting your contractual value because billionaires can't get their head on straight is a troubling development. Yes, but right? I'm I'm running the league, so I as the as the commissioner of the league, I am naturally anti-worker. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, oh, wait, did you just accuse me? Of, oh, thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, Gary Bettman. I put that on my resume when I got hired here. <laughs> I the first thing I I I put it bigger than my name. Mm. on the cover letter can you believe that they made me put a cover letter i'm applying to be the commissioner oh well, i suppose it is 1993 um so anyway that was a weird little sketch that we <laughs> we went down there's uh it's impossible for me to have a proper opinion on anybody acquiring duncan keith um without knowing who's coming the other way if they give up a future if the oilers give up a future to get it done that's ridiculous that's, that's stupid Unl i i think I think to get it done and to get anything back for Duncan Keith, it would make sense to bring a third team in. And I, I think, and I yeah. think if you're the Oilers, you go, okay, Chicago, you go find them and you go sort out whatever it is is going to do it. And, and then we'll give you something. We'll give you a third round pick. We'll give you, we'll give you something at, you know, if, if we can get him for 1.25 or 1.35, I take Duncan Keith any day because yeah. he's your six, seven defenseman. Especially because the trade is being so limited, like you can only go to two teams or three teams in this little area. Like it yeah. sounds like the smart thing to do to get another team just involved in the transaction just to make it easier on, on everybody. And the real money in that is nothing. Like call the Senators, call the Coyotes. Like what, what's Duncan Keith actually owed this year? Call Se Seattle could still be involved like, in the deal. Yeah, all of that is fake money. That's just yeah. Like, like what is he owed? What's stuff. his real? What's his real yeah. salary? So cap. If, if Seattle doesn't think they can make a good enough team, they should be the third team in every trade this summer. Well, I think that they think they can just and acquire I think that, every fifth round pick. So I'm looking at Duncan Keith's real salary here. Uh, twenty 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 one twenty two is what we're looking at, right? Two point one yes. and one point five. That ain't much. Yeah. No. It's you're talking about a, you're talking about a uh, um, league men player, like in terms of like what another team would have to take on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would even you know what who else would might be in a dark horse for that is Columbus. I think that they I mean Arizona needs to recoup assets, so maybe they should consider it. But Columbus mm. to me they're retooling, and I think yeah because Arizona got fined every draft pick they ever had. But with with Columbus, they seem to be in that retooling mode. I know they got to move Seth Jones. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show if we have time. But the uh, to me, Columbus makes a lot of sense in these sorts of moves because it costs them very little, and they might be able to get assets out that they really want because it seems like it's a bit of a new beginning in Columbus and maybe a couple years of pain. Now I got to move us on, guys, to Montreal. Here, real quick, real okay, rapid, fast. Yeah, so yeah. Someone someone tweeted me. This isn't Chicago trying to change the subject, is it? No, they still have to run a hockey team, and we're not going to let them change the subject. No, no, exactly. No, no, no. 
I don't I don't think I don't think that that's what this is at all. No. Um, okay, so no, moving on. Forgotten. To Montreal, Tampa. Um, I, I I don't know. To me, guys, it seems like that's the game that Montreal should have won. Oh, uh, it's the it's the game they deserve to win. Uh, but here's the here's the big takeaway for me. If I go look through all the stats and I watch the watch the footage and I watch the game in six again this morning, Montreal gave away the puck six times the entire game, mm. and three of them led to goals. Oh. The, Ed, the the Edmonton second and played, third. Oh, the the okay. So the 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 end of the second period was that was bad. That was a really because they just went and went to sleep. It can't happen. It it's uh, and it was two veteran defensemen uh, making two mistakes that can't happen. Uh, Edmondson, I guess, had a brain fart. Maybe he was fooled by either Kucherov or Palat going around or or something like that. At least on that one, you get fooled. Sharat. There are five seconds left in that period. Yeah. Like, bro, like there, there are, there were so many Tampa's had a few it. plays. Shoot it. Just shoot it down. Tampa's had a few plays in this series where they've been inches from the blue line and, but they want to maintain possession. Sort of, sort of like the Leafs. The Leafs have done this too. They've been inches from the blue line. Just get it out. Literally just get it out. And they fail. And then here comes Montreal, like a swarm, and it's in their zone for another 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. You know what I mean? So those those little mistakes uh, will happen. But Sherratt, I, I, bro, there's five seconds left. Surely, surely there's a better option than – it looked like a lazy stick check. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting too? I, I've been watching – you, you say, you you know, you can watch Tampa. We said this about the Islanders in Tampa. You watch Tampa, you watch the Islanders, you can learn something about hockey. Yes. Even when Montreal was out shooting them like 30 to 16 or whatever that ridiculous number was in the second period, there were worse. little things that Tampa was doing. You could tell they hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. when they're not on their game, they're hunting. And they have a way of getting into your zone. This is when they were at their sloppiest, their worst. And I think it was the Coleman-Goudreau line that had... It was like a ping, ping, ping across the blue line and deep into the Montreal zone. And it's, I, I shouldn't marked down the time so you could go back and watch it. And it's, it's just an, they, they all knew where each other was going to be. There was mm-hmm. three forwards in the same area and they didn't fuck it up. They just went deep in the zone and in. And I think, I think what's uh, fascinating about the Tampa Bay Lightning is even at their worst, their worst days are better executed than most teams' best days. The Leafs could not yep. hold a candle to this team. Not a chance. Like, yeah. the Leafs can't even get the puck past the team's blue line. They it's, couldn't do it against Montreal. Wait, two, get... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead two things it. with what you said there, Adam. The the shots. So the shots were, I think it ended 41 to 23. Mm-hmm. The, the <laughs> shots, like, almost nearly double the amount from Montreal. But the expected goals, Tampa 2.1, Montreal 1.8. Wow. So I do have a I have a bone to pick with that. Okay, and then I got it, something else. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Okay, because I saw a very interesting debate mm-hmm. between two Montreal gentlemen who I know and love, uh, Mark Dumont and Andrew Berkshire. So there was a um, it was either a breakaway or a two on one or partial something something. I think it was Gallagher coming down on Vasilevsky, and Vasilevsky pokes it. Mm-hmm. It was a stick check just outside the blue paint. That's not a scoring chance. Yeah. And the, the, oh, I totally disagree. So, so that was a, that was a conversation between Mark. Cause Mark is like, well, yeah, but he came close to scoring and Berkshire is like, yes, but there was no shot on goal. It was, it was, it was very interesting 
the the back and forth because I agree if there's no shot on goal I don't know how you register it but everyone in the building everyone watching it went oh <laughs> and to me any instance where you go oh shit like to, to me anything that looks oh to me any of those that's a scoring chance man like he had a breakaway right, right. and and something Vasilevsky did that can't be quantified in a defensive metric right like he, he's not a defenseman so something Vasilevsky did even though it's not a save prevented that scoring chance to me that's where the eye test and the numbers kind of converge and I look at yeah. that I say the numbers aren't lying here and the numbers are truthful because Tampa Bay's defense, Vasilevsky in this case, stopped the puck at a point where it didn't become a shot on goal. They a lot stopped of the shots. play uh, yeah. before it became a chance at a shot for Montreal. So there that's multiple, where I'm like, the, expe- the, the numbers are correct here. You're absolutely right about it. And the thing, Jesse, to that point is Montreal has been, or sorry, Tampa has been well-documented after two seasons ago where they blew it against Columbus they, it was well-documented, the changes they made in their defensive structure in order to push shots to the outside or make them low-danger shots. They do that time and time and time again. So you can get a lot of shots, but then, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is pretty good if you can see it. And pretty the, good even on a rebound. The biggest, well, there, there were none. That was the thing. Right. And, and yeah. what I noticed with Vasilevsky is uh, he's, he's a sponge. He's Kirby. <gasps> Like the, the, the puck just gets absorbed into him, into his equipment, into his logo. It was actually quite Carey Price-esque mm-hmm. um, the way he didn't have to flip out or fly all over the place. Uh, it was a lot, of, a lot of cookie cutter saves. I also and, want to bring up one quick stat on this too, Jesse. Do you have your ahead. second point to get to here? Yeah. Off oh, the get top, to that. Get off to that. the right. top, you mentioned the turnovers. So you said yes. uh, three yeah. turnovers, three goals. In in the series, it's been six turnovers, eight goals for Tampa. There's been six total turnovers that have led directly to six of their eight goals. So Montreal's, uh, their total possessions, they've turned the there has turned the puck over 16.6% of its total possessions against Tampa on even strength. So... Uh, that number is an improvement over their play over the first three rounds. So no. this is why Montreal should look at this. And if you're a Montreal fan, I'm sorry, you have no hope in the rest of the series because the turnover, wow. the wow. turnovers are leading directly to the result of the goals. Your turnover ratio has improved from 16, from 17% to 16%. You are better against Tampa in not turning over the puck than you were against Vegas, Winnipeg and Toronto. You're doing better and you're losing. And the turnovers, because Tampa is so deadly that this little percentage change is still having such a huge effect on so their fast. goal score. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So fast. They got no hope here. And and be, to that point, the, the Mark Stone special, and I love this stat, because giveaways are different than takeaways. So the giveaways, Tampa gave away the puck more, but the takeaways were, I think it was like 9-3 to three, Tampa. And, and that's the, you know, lift the stick, take the puck away. Cause here's the thing. When you have a takeaway, it's not directly a giveaway. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. No, I I understand that. You can give the puck away without it being a takeaway. And so the, the takeaways for Tampa are are exceedingly high as well in this series. And that's, but that's, that's the thing. It goes back to the hunting thing. There is, you know, three seconds left and Blake Coleman's diving for a puck. How many teams are going to do that? Their, you know what I mean? Their maximum effort, the Coleman dive, the Gaudreau seeing five seconds on the clock and going, this is great. Yeah. Um, or not Kucherov, seeing it, just Kuch- playing. Kucherov's on everyone's tail. 
underrated um, workhorse player, Andre Palat. Andre yeah. Palat is yeah. uh, not as advertised at all. That that guy is a worker bee. He's a premium worker bee. And Yanni Gord, like Tampa doesn't know how to give less than a thousand percent. I know it would be pretty tough to do, but if you're giving if you're giving me the option of spending what is it five or six million on Zach Hyman and his rebuilt knee or mm-hmm. Blake Coleman, I'm spending it on Blake Coleman. Yeah, and he's a UFA this year. So I th- I'm Blake interested. Coleman. Well, I, I'm I'm his number one fan. Tampa's going to bring him back. Tampa's going to bring him back at eight sure. million, eight years, and fit it under, and it's going to be fine. Yep. Yep, and there's going to be some sort of shenaniganery, but uh, and good Steve, for them. you sound bitter, <laughs> astute. <laughs> I, I mean, am. like, I, um, I mean, and is there better value in the league at 1.8 million per season than Blake Coleman? Is that shut up? That's what he makes. Yeah, like it's just crazy. I remember when he was I on just... the first line in New Jersey. Like he led the league. I remember this just strictly from fantasy hockey. He's always a great fantasy pickup because he leads the league in hits every year. He was on the first line, so oh, he'd always play these funny. minutes. It was awesome. And then yeah, he went to Tampa and wins the Stanley Cup, and it's and unbelievable. All they gave up for him was a first round pick, and at least the third diving goal of his career. By the way. <laughs> if, if, what? If, if if you type in Blake Coleman one-handed, he he did like a one-handed wrist shot with the Devils. He had a diving goal in last year's playoffs against the Bruins. That was the one where um, Zach Bogosian randomly decided I'm Eric Carlson now, and he took the puck and <laughs> flew into the zone, dangled around everybody, and he 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 dove and gave it to Blake Coleman, who also dove. And then that's that's why during the stream I went. He did it again. I can't believe it. It's the third time. This friggin' guy, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a heck of a player. I I love watch. I love watching that Gaudreau, uh Coleman line. So it's, it's just it. And I hate to bring it back to the Leafs, but it's everything the Leafs don't have. Well, and everything. Another thing I said on the stream, I go, can you? Do, do you remember there was a time where we thought Tampa gave up too much for these two? Yeah. They're, well, I mean, to be two fair, wins away from two cups. Adam. I don't think anybody complained about the Blake Coleman deal, but the Barclay, Barclay Goudreau was like that was weird. That's a lot for it Barclay, was weird. but it. But again, remember I mentioned last episode when when uh, when the Pats uh, would grab players and you'd yeah. be like, what, why, and they just turn them into stars in the Pat system. It seems like what that's what Tampa's got going on. They're able to pull guys in, and obviously Goudreau they paid a lot for, but he's, I mean, he's not the Barclay Goudreau that was in San Jose, is he? I think he's much better than that now. Well, he certainly plays on a better team. And Tampa does such a good job of acquiring big name, seemingly rental guys, and then keeping them. Pat Maroon. Uh, Ryan McDonough. Yeah. Barclay Goodrow. Blake Coleman. Like Sergachev. Uh, <laughs> well, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a rental, but that was a – I mean, you're trading like- – Oh, they shouldn't have been able to keep him this past no, offseason. No, the no, fact no. that they've kept him on the team all this time when he's a young, great player and he didn't have to slip and fall to another well, team. And here's the thing. When do you trade a third overall pick and come out on top? <laughs> like, like, like did, did, did the Jets not just do that this offseason? They traded a second overall. Second, guy. yeah. But like, and so did Columbus. Second, Montreal second trading Galchenyuk. Like, when do you ever come out on top? It's rare. Trading a third overall guy and you get a better defenseman back? That's yeah. cool. Like, it's, I mean, it's uh, great maneuvering. They're they're really good. I can't wait for them to lose someone we've never heard of to Seattle. 
Yeah. <laughs> for nothing. For Five nothing. career games played. Like Griezmann just stares down Ron Francis and goes, "Here's who you're picking." Yeah. And uh, now I want to. I want to. I, I do have to move us on because again, we're a bit shorter today. Uh, the Jack Eichel saga looks like it's coming to an end a little bit here, and I got a bit of a theory on this. But I'm going to read you what was written in the uh, Associated Press. So obviously, you know that he's got a herniated disc in his neck. Jack wants the surgery. The Sabers do not want him to get it. They think they can rehab it out. And depending upon who you talk to, I've talked to a couple like back and neck specialists about this. They'll tell you that listen, rehab in the long term is way better. Because surgery can cut your career shorter, and they'll say that with any injury. But sometimes, it depends on the severity of it, herniated, with a herniated disc, the only way to fix it sometimes is to have surgery. So um, the agent texted and said this to uh, an Associated Press reporter named Peter Fish. We are communicating with the team and are heading towards a resolution. That's as much as we know. But it means that there's been progress. And I wonder if the progress of this on both sides is – hey, listen, we can't get a deal done until we resolve the medical issue, until we get some sort of confirmation. And I want you to think about this as you're the acquiring team. So you're the Rangers, you're Philadelphia, who Rangers of Philadelphia who seem to be in on every big name player this offseason, maybe even Colorado. Vegas has called. We know that with, you know, and, and rightfully so, they need a top line center. This is a guy that's going to come in and take 12.3% of your cap. That's a huge number. 10 million sounds big. 12.3% of your cap. You better make sure he's playing or you know exactly how long it's going to be before he plays. And I think the injury status of Jack Eichel affects his value on the open market because Buffalo is probably looking at this going, well, we're not, you guys aren't making fair deals to us. And they're saying he's injured and you haven't come to a resolution and we don't know what we're getting. So how are you going to expect me to give up 10% or sorry, 12% of my cap for a guy that is a big fat fucking question mark? I just don't. So I feel like, Jack wants to move on. The Sabres want to move on. They probably are like, okay, it's in our best interest to figure this out because he's not moving until then. I think we're either like three days away from a Jack Eichel trade or three months. Yeah. Interesting. Like it's, it's, uh, I, with Seattle so close, the expansion draft so close, like there's a, there's a deadline here, man. Like mm-hmm. we got shit to plan. And if you're one of the teams, uh, vying for Jack Eichel, I'm screaming at the Sabres every day on the phone saying, you know, listen, I'm going to have to be out at some point. Um, like maybe, maybe the move for the Sabres here is handle this medically mm-hmm. and just tell everybody, listen, we're still going to get something done. It's going to have to wait. If I'm one of the other 31 GMs, I don't trade for Eichel until I see him on the ice again. I think this is probably like a November move. Like, hey, you get all your medical stuff done with Buffalo, and then we'll trade for you. Well, and then if that if that's the case, Jesse, he might not play till January or February. Why would you trade for him in that case? It's a good question, especially because acquiring teams want to be competitors for the playoffs. Sabers are in an incredibly tough spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, waiting might be the best plan of attack, but who's to say Jack Eichel is ever going to suit up for you again? Like you, they may not, we don't know that. I'm not saying that he wouldn't, but do we know for sure that Jack, like, and, and really what kind of Jack Eichel are you going to get? Let's say he gets out on the ice and he's not motivated. Not that Jack Eichel would be that type of player, but we saw what happened with, you saw what happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and, and, and just, you know, go for a leisure skate and do nothing, but 
he might he's not going to be 100% in hard in it Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. So if if you're Buffalo, do you hurry up a deal because you're afraid he'll never be Jack Eichel again or if you're another team, do not trade for him because you don't think he's going to be good again? I'm curious about what the market is. If it's three teams, they all seem to be of the same opinion that, yeah, we're not going to like, I bet, I bet Kevin Adams has got three guys offering similar packages and he wants one more piece to pull the trigger. And none of those teams will offer it because of this medical issue. It seems like it is right. Like it's three or four teams. New York always has been in on this. Vegas is now apparently in uh, Philadelphia is in on everybody. <laughs> Colorado might be, I don't know. We'll Kings see. Now Kings. Uh, now, I guess, just, I guess, um, <laughs> Kopitar and Eichel up the center would be pretty scary, by the way. Yeah, not bad, eh? Um, Sabres fans have been through so, so much. Mm-hmm. And I think the Sabres have to be delicate with their feelings because uh, you think I'm annoyed with the Leafs. I mean, Sabres fans have no reason to be happy with the Sabres at all. So what could be psychologically for the for the fan base? Good for them. You get the Eichel deal out of the way. There's a week or two for, you know, you let fans be upset. Um, you, you you let the you let the pain happen. Hopefully, it dissipates a little, and then you know what you get to do. Draft first overall. Yeah. Draft first overall. You get everyone fired up and excited about that. You take this kid. You. And you go, look at this friggin' kid. This is the new guy. This is plus all the stuff we got for Jack, whatever that is. This is the Buffalo Sabres of the team of the future. Like, like to me, that's, that's the move. That's, that's the move psychologically, but I don't know how you get max value for a guy with a hurt neck. What was the Edmonton uh, tweet when they traded um, Taylor Hall? And they signed Milan Lucic, and the and they were like the the one of the writers in Edmonton's like, well, if you look at the Taylor Hall deal, like they were able to get Milan Lucic on it as well, then it's a pretty solid move. It was, and, like, which is way bad now. <laughs> Taylor Hall for Puljujarvi and and Lucic, and it's oh, hmm. it's not good. Anyway, no. but I mean, maybe Buffalo's looking at it that way. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 curious to me because we were saying, you know, last round we were hearing they were days away from an Eichel deal. I think the medical thing has to be the thing holding it up. Otherwise, it's a can't miss trade. You 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 do what you can to get it. Um, Fourth explain of July. this. Explain the Victor Arvidsson trade to me, like I'm four years old. Okay, so, so, so here's what. By the way, here's what happened. Uh, the Predators had tra- have traded him to the LA Kings for yes. draft picks, a second and a third of this year. Uh, right? I think it's one. No, so it's a second this year, a third next. Okay. Okay. So, and they both belong to LA. So here's what teams did Vegas time around is they went to a team with all the leverage and they said, let's make a deal And the team with all the leverage who gets to take someone anyway said, okay. And they got to set the market. They had the upper hand in everything. Absolutely everything. Uh, hey, you don't want us to take this guy? Well, it's going to cost Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith. You don't want us to take this guy? It's going to cost Marc-Andre Fleury and a second. 
you don't you don't want to trade or you don't want us to take this guy. It's going to cost this. It's going to cost that. So the strategy this time around, or at least with Nashville, appears to be take the team with all the leverage out of the equation. Right? Take Seattle out of the equation instead of convincing Seattle, hey, don't take this player, and we're going to give you X, Y, and Z. You go to a team like the Kings, <clears throat> who don't have nearly as much leverage. <laughs> the, like no one, no one this summer is going to go, Hey, LA, you get a free player from Nashville. Right. So automatically they have less leverage. You go, Hey, let's just make a deal. Let's just make a straight up deal. We got Victor Arvidsson and they decided they'll get more out of the Kings than they would out of Seattle. So people I saw in Nashville, were talking about the Preds are going to try to do the four and four thing. So I was looking at who I would protect. So there's Roman Yossi, who I have to, and I'm happy to. Yeah. There's Ryan Ellis, happy to do it. Erica Branson is a UFA. We don't need to worry about him. Matias Ekholm is not a UFA until next year. Mm-hmm. I think in the next couple of weeks, we could actually see a Matias Ekholm trade. Uh, because Because if you trade him, then you could potentially do seven and three, which allows you to protect 10 players instead of eight. Hmm. Right. So we go further down. Mark Borietsky. Okay. Do you have to? No. Seattle might take him. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Dante Fabro. You protect him. Uh, you took him with a top 20 pick in 2016, but he's 23 now. He's, he's almost like a higher stakes Travis Dermott mm-hmm. for them. Um, so that, that to me is where that list ends. But up front, it's a very interesting conversation. And I don't know if I want to protect seven guys because there's no no-move clauses there. There's Duchesne. I'm not going to lie. I think I'd, protect him. I'd leave him exposed. Mm-hmm. He makes $8 million, which for his performance is far too much. There's Ryan Johansson. Wouldn't protect him. I would leave him exposed. $8 million. Far too much. Philip Forsberg. Would protect. Would protect. But there's another guy with only one year left. David Poyle might be a very busy bee this summer. Ooh. Michael Granlund. UFA. So don't have to worry about it. So I'm, I'm going to click Forsberg. He's the first guy I'm clicking. Colton Sissons. Might as well. Luke Cunning. Might as well. Rocco Grimaldi. Why are you might as welling these guys? Like, like I'm saying, like for protecting, I'm on the cap friendly website. Yeah, yeah, no, but why? Like, should we be protecting those guys? Oh, Jesse, this this is part of the conversation, right? Like, so they have a they have a ton of either UFAs or RFAs this year. Okay. Plus a bunch of guys expiring next year. The Preds have a ridiculous amount of flexibility. And, I and they think, probably could take on a forward or two from a team that needs to mm. move on, like the Arvidsson thing. So you I dare think, Seattle to take Johansson or Duchesne and get those contracts off your books? Is what I don't dare them. Doing. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. I I leave I leave them exposed to protect more valuable players. Boy, if I'm Seattle, I don't hate picking up Duchesne, even though it's eight million bucks. I don't hate it. Your cap is like a, it's free, you know. From you a, all the a lot of teams for that for that Nashville deal, though. From a like he wanted to be in Nashville. Yeah, you're now you're looking at no matter what decision you make, whether it's on defense uh, with the four and four or the seven and three, 
you're not losing anyone of too much significance. And because you have all these guys with a year left, like I think we might've been too hard on David Poyle, um, not rebuilding this year because mm-hmm. they ended up making the playoffs anyway. And they have like, if they want to go hard rebuild right now, after at least seeing what they have left in the tank, if they want to go hard rebuild right now, they're in a great spot. They absolutely can. So, and in net, they have UC Soros, who's an RFA. They'll protect him. And Pecorine, who's a UFA, they will not. So I, I think they were just doing this so they didn't lose a guy like Arvidsson or someone someone higher in the in the depth chart. Like, they, w- they would have protected Arvidsson. But what about a guy like Callie Yarncroak, right? Mm-hmm. Who's pretty good, low cap hit. I think they're just getting the most they can and they're about to hit hard rebuild. Does it mean Steve that they're able to then, you know, because Seattle's got all the cards, right? If you're trying to dump salary, Mm -hmm. do they get to be the team that's a little bit more on par? Like the Kings were for them. Do they get to be what the Kings were to them for another team? Can you say that one more time? (laughs) Well, okay. So you said you go to Seattle, Seattle set the table. They got all the the cards in their favor. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a team and you're like, you're um, just to name one, Vancouver, you're in cap trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and if Nashville is in the retool slash rebuild stage, you go to them and say, I need to get rid of this contract. Seattle's costing me this. What will you charge? Right. I think, I don't think other teams can do that. I think other teams can do that once. Okay. You know what I mean? And this, this was the King's bullet. Right. So I'm looking at them. They're interesting too. I, there are going to be some big names exposed, I think. For example, Anze Kopitar. Well, heavens to Betsy. Of course you protect him. Mm-hmm. Dustin Brown? No, I don't think you do. Did they protect him the last time? I don't think so. I don't know. And now they got Arvidsson. They got Ayafalo. They got Kempe. I'd probably leave Brendan Lemieux exposed. They got. It's there's there's going to be a lot of deals. Teams are going to now the race is on over the next week and a half or so to get a deal like that, like the Arvidsson deal done with someone who, you know, doesn't completely have all the cards in their favor. But I I think a lot of big contract like think of all the guys you saw on waivers this year and teams left them on waivers because they knew they weren't going to get taken. Mm-hmm. or they were hoping they would get taken, right? Now mm-hmm. you have an opportunity. There's this magical team with no cap it, literally none. There's this magical team coming in. You're going to leave guys exposed. The Preds, I would leave both Johansson and Duchesne exposed yep. if I was them. Yep. I can see that. It's And and like, you know, the the we, we talked about like Nugent Hopkins and the Oilers, right? And, you know, what's, what, what is Buffalo going to do with the uh, cap space they get from trading Eichel? Well, both those markets have trouble attracting free agents. Nashville? They don't have that problem. You lose one of those two? Wonderful. You bring in another guy. Yep. Or Maybe you Jack don't Eichel. lose those two. <laughs> Maybe. Yo, can you imagine Eichel, Johansson, Duchesne. That's a well, lot of money. If but. if you were to, if you're Kevin Adams, would you not take it? Like, I mean, I don't know if Matt Duchesne's got a no trade, but if if he doesn't, like, let's say they called you and they said, okay, we want to we want to flip guys here. You don't hate Matt Duchesne at eight million, do you? To build some what of a team around with some young guys. Needs, I think you need somebody younger. Yeah, maybe you right. do. Maybe you do. 
they just need good players. Yes, <laughs> they need players. They yeah. literally need players. They just need good players. But um, it's uh, it, if I'm Nashville, the main benefit here is at least I get something for Victor Arvidsson, and now I can protect more guys. Yeah. Okay. It, it certainly makes it easier to protect 4D if you want to, and okay. I think they do. Um, moving on here, Jonathan Taze. I mean, so, sorry, quickly on Seth Jones, guys. I know he was linked to the Leafs by one source today, but I uh, don't think so. Uh, from everything we've heard, no no interest in Seth Jones there. However, uh, I, we could be wrong. Maybe tomorrow they pick up the phone and they get a deal done. Uh, the, the team supposedly in on Seth Jones are the Avs, the Hawks, the Kings, and the Flyers. Um, and we're talking about a lot going one way for a player that may not sign an extension with you. So here's my question. I don't care about what the package may be because we could speculate to death and we really don't have the time. Does the team that gets Seth Jones have him extended by the time they trade for him? That's my question. And this is just you guys hypothetically. Do you think that any of the Avs, Hawks, Flyers, or Kings are willing to take the Kawhi Leonard risk and go, let's sell him on this? And, it, and you know, it's not hard to sell uh, to sell a player on L.A., it's not hard to sell a player on Chicago uh, or Colorado or F- Philadelphia for that matter, because they're all good organizations. But do you give up assets for a guy that you know is going to walk in free agency or at least look? Go through the teams. Abs? Yes. Hawks? No. Flyers? No. And uh, lastly, of course, the Kings? No. If you're the so, Abs, you do it. Yeah. 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 The, here's, here's the thing with the Kawhi Leonard risk. The Raptors were already good. I don't know why. Sorry, why do why do the Avs need Seth Jones? Uh, I think the answer is they don't. Okay, because that like with Kale McCarr there, I just thought they need odd one. I think they need to get larger and nastier. Um, the conversation on Seth Jones has changed aggressively from the bubble because he was this minute eating monster who just destroyed the Leafs and everyone was singing his praises and now all of analytics hockey Twitter is like this guy is a bum so I don't know what to think didn't he have this COVID? he had COVID I don't know it's it's also so, been tough this year because there there are guys who I just straight up like didn't see mm-hmm, and I yeah. and I think I'm not alone there because like I don't know what what am I doing with my day off you know, raising my kid or watching Columbus. <laughs> Columbus was also awful. And like, how yeah. are we going to rate a guy's skills on an awful hockey team? Yeah. You know? When you got Patrick Line unable to score a goal in the NHL for a team, you know, yeah. I, I yeah. think, I think if you were to look at what the, the way Columbus was coached last year, and I know Torts got blood from a stone for years from that team, I think usually he was able to get the best out of them. I think last year he got the worst out of them. Cause how were they that much different than the team that beat the Leafs? Or that much different than the team. I guess they were a lot different than the team that beat the Lightning. But even so, you know, without, I guess, Duchesne, they're missing that. Um, they weren't that much different. But I just think, you know, that was a coach that had run his course for sure. Um, and then I guess, lastly here, before we get to the just press on those on those Seth oh. Jones teams, none yeah. of those teams stand out to me. And I'm like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. No. They all seem, the Flyers seem to make the most sense to me because they want to move on so badly from Shane Goss's bear. Yeah, and he's and he's locked up and he's low term, as it were low average. Wow, are those guys not the same? <laughs> no, they're not. I would, I would, I would laugh very hard if if that's what it's based around. Well, I don't know if it would be, but I would think that the Flyers would want to include him. 
They just seem to want to get him out of town. Just to match the salary, I think. Yeah. Like, that's well, probably the mm. other piece going back, plus a whole bunch of stuff. Just because he had 4.25? 4.5. Yeah. So you're, you're like a million dollars away already, you know? So that makes sense. But, like, just in terms of fit, I guess the Flyers would work. But the Blackhawks, like we went through, they're probably going to do a rebuild. Why are they getting Seth Jones? The Kings, maybe. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, no, the Blackhawks are in on this, but he might walk in free agency next right. year. The Kings' problem is they can't score goals. Like, they were, mm-hmm. I think, third worst in the league in terms of goals per game, and they haven't had a 30-goal scorer on their team since 17-18. Like, that, they, they literally can't score goals. So I don't know why your big get is a defenseman. Arvidsson makes perfect sense. It does. a guy who's an ex-30-goal scorer. Um, but, yeah, so was, that doesn't... Was the last guy Jeff Carter, by the way? No, it was Kopitar who had Kopitar. his last 30 goal season, okay. 17-18. But, um, yeah, and then, the, yeah, he's named the Hawks. The Flyers kind of make sense. The Avs, you have Kale McCarr to lock up. Like, he's he's an RFA. Yeah. You go hand out a bunch of money to a young defenseman. Why are you going to get another one? I, and I know their philosophy is just get the best players available, and I respect right. that because it seems to be working for them. But I just – Seth Jones is an odd pickup on the Avalanche for me. I just don't know. Just having seen it with the Leafs when you have – that many big forwards or that many big defensemen. Sometimes there's just like, remember Willie William Nylander had to run a second power play unit that saw 20% of the time. And William Nylander should be on the first power play unit on any team. Um, there just isn't enough minutes to go around. And if you're playing one defenseman on the power play, the power play is only two minutes long. You'd be surprised how quickly a minute 15, a minute 30 happens. That's a shift. And, and so you're, are you going to have, you're going to go get Seth Jones so we can run 30 seconds of a PP2? I don't yeah. know. It doesn't make sense to me. Tech there, line but... in, like, I know Seth Jones, too, has a 10-team no-move clause. So there's 10 mm-hmm. teams that are X right away. But so Tech all the Canadian teams. Seven Buffalo. Canadian teams yeah. plus Buffalo plus... <laughs> yeah. Arizona, maybe. Yeah. Columbus wow, was, is on there fast. again, so we can't resign. <laughs> yeah, not make me go to Columbus. Um, man, I want to go to Columbus just to see what's up with Columbus. Because I keep hearing great things about it it's from nice. everybody that lives there. And then, like and then there's like, I don't want to be here. Steve has been for the All-Star game. That's right. I liked it. The cannon. The cannon year. It's 45 oh goals, God. and the cannon goes off every time. You know how many <laughs> traumatized kids? Like, that cannon is making the next generation of hockey fans in Ohio not want to become hockey fans. The same with the Bucks, Man, every time they got in the red zone, not even got a touchdown, got in the red zone. I was there for the last Jameis Winston start before Tom Brady uh, took over the next season. And, like, Winston would just bring him within 10 yards of the zone, and the cannon would go off, whether they got anything or not. And it was just loud. And then, of course, they then, then they score a touchdown. Cannon goes off. And then they get a, the extra point afterwards. Cannon goes off again. We're talking three cannon shots in, like, a minute. Sports are scary enough. Like, if you're a kid of a certain age, at random moments, the thousands of people you've never met start screaming. Yeah. They're all bigger than you. It's, uh, yeah, They're man. bigger than you. They are. They're <laughs> significantly, exponentially. And then, and then there's a cannon. Yeah. No. No, thank you. Um, a couple of news and notes around uh, Alex Tangay is a new assistant coach in Detroit. And uh, but I'm last- the traitor. Yeah, you're the, yeah, exactly. Abs fans hate it. Um, and uh, that sucks. Jonathan Taze uh, is likely. I mean, he finally came out and said what was going on because he sort of disappeared. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, according to uh, an article in The Athletic, uh, he's probably a COVID long hauler. He had it in February before it really kicked off for the rest of us. So he had it in February, 2020 and had it really bad. 
like it was nasty apparently, and then has had to deal with these side effects ever since. So um, he put out a video on his Twitter account. I encourage you to check it out. We are running out of time here, so let's do the press conference real quick. Okay. This press conference is going to be a little different oh. because at Ghost of Grabba wants you guys to do a riddle, a brain teaser. Oh, you, you might be awful at this, or you might be. This might be amazing. We'll see. I'm ready. I'm, not I'm ready. Understand. Are you ready? I'm going to read very slowly. Okay. You have a fox, a chicken, and a bag of seed. You come to a river with a raft that can only carry you and one extra at a time. The fox will eat the chicken, and the chicken will eat the seed if you leave them alone together. <laughs> How do you get all three across? Bro, what? Which, okay. which, which parts do you need me to reread? How do you get all three across? So you okay. got to separate the chicken. The chicken is the, the hinge point here, right? Because he'll either get eaten or he will eat. Yes, right? The fox no, I... will eat the chicken and the chicken will, chicken eat, will the eat the seed. seed. I, think, I think I have the answer. All right, go for it, Steve. First, you take the fox, then you take the seed, then you take the chicken. No. If you take the fox first, the chicken will eat the seed. Right. That's oh, why right. I was saying you got to pull the chicken out of the equation because the fox not interested in the seed. But then I the was thinking becomes, about the other side of the river. Shoot. Well, then the other side, what do you take over next? The fox or the chicken? Wait. So you can only bring one at a time, Jesse, yeah. right? No. Okay. Yes. Why are we so dumb? <laughs> why haven't we got this already? Although you 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 asked this question knowing how intelligent we are, which is okay. So you're taking that you got to take the chicken, right? Right off the bat, I put the fox and the seed in the boat together. The fox paddles it across. No, no. Uh... <laughs> Adam, Adam, you were you're on the right track. Okay, but then okay, don't, but the... don't listen to Steve. What did Adam say? <laughs> <laughs> Again, the chicken is the hinge point, Steve. So we got to remove the chicken from the equation. Was it you? So then you leave the chicken on the other side of the river, right? Is that what happens? Keep going. You got to solve it. You got to get all three across. So if you bring the seed across, the seed gets eaten by the chicken when you go back and get the fox. That's the problem I have, right? Because if you leave the seed with the chicken, the chicken's going to eat the seed. I got it. No. What is it? No. Uh, Can't. I, wait, I, wait, wait, I wait. thought you had it. Okay. I Keep going. I, you, I thought I did you too. Guys, you guys were, you're on the right path. You have all of the pieces. Okay. So there's, there's, okay. Okay. People are probably just yelling. Ah, uh, it's fine. I, 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 I had it for a second. <laughs> I'm on vacation, man. I can't figure this out. <laughs> I got part one, Steve. You get part two. So could I put, yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I, I'll give you the hint. You, the taking the chicken over. Is the perfect first move. That's where you. That's where okay. you start sol solving. Take it. the chicken over. Mm -hmm. Leave it on the shore. Take the fox over. Bring the chicken back in the boat with me, because it oh. fits. Oh. Mm -hmm. Take the seed. Leave the chicken on the shore. Bring the seed over with the fox. Come over back by myself. Grab Come the get chicken. the chicken. Bring the chicken over. I think that's it. It's I think I think you got Yay. all the pieces correctly, but that is the premise well of solving done, it. Steve. Well done. Well done. That I'll took a lot of my brain. That was great. 
I'll read what what you tried to articulate. You take the yes. chicken over first. You go back and you bring the grain next. But instead of leaving the chicken with the grain, you come back with the chicken. You leave the chicken on the first side and you take the fox with you. You leave it on the other side with the grain. And then finally you go back over and you there bring it is. the chicken. Yeah. I just did it in a different way. Well done, you guys. A different way. It, yeah. it was essentially, you got, it. You got the you premise got of solving it. <laughs> yes, well done. Well, I think that was a perfect way to end the week. So hard. we've got uh, Canadians in Tampa tonight. We've got Canadians in Tampa, I believe, on Sunday night as well. So we will have two Stanley Cup games and potentially a Stanley Cup to talk about as of Monday's show. <laughs> Potentially. Ooh. I told you, if they don't win game two and they really needed to. Wait, when yikes. do you think game four is? Isn't it Sunday? Game four, game four is on, on Monday. Monday because for some reason, yeah, yeah. Saturday and Sunday are gameless. Why? I don't know. So we'd rather have a Monday night game? Adam, we have already played our last Saturday game of the season. There are no scheduled Saturday games. I don't understand this. Okay, well, I guess, I mean, what do they have to compete with? Afternoon baseball? I don't know, but game seven will be Sunday at seven if if we get there. Wow. Okay, well, yeah, Monday, I, I guess we will not have a Stanley Cup to talk about, but we will have a game three. Thank God. Thank God we don't have to do two shows before then. So we'll talk about that then. Until then, have a fantastic weekend. I'll be back at the cottage on the next show, and I understand my sound is better. So that's great. Who knew I only had to go several hours north of Toronto to get that. Just stay there. Yeah, maybe I should. I would like to. (laughs) All right. So have a great weekend and we will see you Monday. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.